Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Fran Kranz, an actor you may have seen in projects like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dollhouse, The Cabin in the Woods, and You Might Be the Killer. He also played a really great bottom in Casey Weldermott's 2018 update of A Midsummer Night's Dream, alongside Rachel Lee Cook, Paz de la Huerta, Ted Levine, and Saul Williams, friend of the show. And he makes his debut as a writer-director with Mass, a drama starring Martha Plimpton, Jason Isaacs, and Dowd and Reed Burney as two sets of parents sitting down for a conversation in a church basement that is, quite honestly, devastating. It's now playing in the U.S. and opening in Canadian theaters this Friday, October 15th. You should see it. Fran picked two films for this episode, Time of the Wolf and 2046, basically because he's been haunted by both films ever since he saw them, and I wasn't going to make him choose just one. The first is Michael Haneke's 2003 vision of a family struggling to stay together and stay sane while the world ends around them. And the second is Wong Gar Wai's 2004 companion piece to In the Mood for Love, which finds Tony Lung's lonely writer Chow Mo Wan still pining for Maggie Chung's Su Li Zhen, even as he tries to move on from what might have been. What connects the two films? How do they align for the purposes of this episode? You're about to find out. This is someone else's movie. I couldn't tell you which one I saw first. So this is just sort of, there are two films with free-floating anxiety and regret that have connected with you? Yes, yes. I thought, I picked Time of the Wolf. I was thinking about Time of the Wolf. I've always thought about it as an emotional comp for mass. People... You know, I never made a movie before, and it, it's sort of funny some of the questions, the questions you get that I gather are sort of standard questions, the things people sort of press you with to kind of get a sense of your movie. And a lot of people, a lot of people would ask me consistently, what do you want your movie to feel like? And I, I, I never, I was sort of, I was so surprised by that question, but I would say I said Time of the Wolf. I kind of, I, and, and I still believe that. Um, I, unfortunately, it, it seems to have disappeared online. I'm sure there's some weird pirated way you could get it, but it's been so hard to find. Um, and it, and, it, and it's, it might not be a perfect, you know, it's, it might not be a perfect match, but I still, I still, based on, you know, my memory and this, this movie experience was just crushing when I saw it. Um, so, uh, but, but it, it still, to me, spoke about hope and endurance and the sort of persistence of life, no matter what the sort of the, the, the sort of persistence or sort of need the inexhaustible sort of endurance to just kind of move through it, no matter what. And, and, and I found that to be strangely hopeful in the middle of this very bleak movie. Um, And then 2046, you know, I, I, I sort of still feel like my favorite movies are Star Wars, 2001, Seven Samurai, these big movies, action or science fiction, just grand scale. <laughs> and I had never I had never seen anything like 2046. I think it's kind of the most beautiful visually movie I've ever seen. It, it broke my heart. It's it, the music's incredible. The cinematography is incredible but it kind of also broke all these rules for me. And it, it, it made, you know, I, like I said, Akira, Seven Samurai, 2001, Star Wars, somehow this movie, because of how it sort of blended science fiction together, even though it was basically this meandering love story, somehow those movies, 
somehow 2046 joined that club. Okay. (laughs) Where it's sort of, I think of it as, it's one of my, I think one of the great movies ever made in my mind and one of my favorites. And all of a sudden took these, made a romance as as big and as grand as sort of anything so that so that was really kind of a defining cinematic kind of you know viewing experience for me yeah i can see haneke all over mass in a weird way yeah it's the austerity but it's also the the willingness to push in on people until they crack the the thing that he does where it's not cruel exactly. He's crueler to the audience than he is to his characters, I find. But <laughs> even even something like Time of the Wolf, where we are there to watch the we're there to watch them scrape their way towards some kind of hope, because it's not present at the beginning. And and as soon as you mentioned it in the in the back and forth we had setting up this episode, um, I mean, Time of the Wolf makes perfect sense because it is a world, or sorry, it's a story about people whose world has ended. Literally, you see that they're in the middle of an apocalypse that's never fully specified, but is obviously everywhere. Mm -hmm. And mass is about people whose worlds have ended, but no one else has noticed, right? Like they're all internal. Wow. Yeah, no, I I love that. I mean, the the, the notion that the event that sort of brought them there or that has sort of, that, that is the, the catalyst for the uh, the action of the film is something that's not seen. It's something that's never seen off camera. I, there was something in Time of the Wolf, it's like a, a watercolor drawing when they're all sort of living in this sort of train depot, this kind of train station. The, the Isabel Huppert and her, her kids have sort of made it to this train depot. And there's all these people living there just trying to sort of, like, as you said, scrape by. And there's this sort of passing sort of shot of a uh, a drawing and it's a mushroom cloud. And it's sort of this, maybe a reference to what happened, but otherwise violence is essentially off camera. It, at the beginning of the time of the wolf, they go to their vacation home or their country home and you know enter it. I had no idea what this movie was. And they walk in and within minutes, the father, the husband is shot to death, but the, the shot happens, the, the gun fires and we cut outside to the children. And it's another moment of violence. The only sort of moment of violence of this whole film is, is left off camera, sort of left to the imagination. So that always sort of, that always stuck with me. I think the only Haneke movie I'd ever seen was Funny Games at that time. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> of course, who is this crazy guy? And um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure I came across that next. And I was so blown away by the, the simplicity of it, though, too. The static wide shots, just allowing things to play out in long, long frames. It, there's moments of that in time in funny games, but it, it, I mean, conventional is not the wrong word. It's a more dynamic. It's, a, it's sort of it, it did not. For some strange reason, Time of the Wolf felt like something I had never seen before, more so than Funny Games, mm-hmm. as, if that's possible. If, if Funny Games was obviously pr- pretty shattering, both as sort of, you know, a viewer and just sort of like what you can do with cinema, it felt like, like, wow, this guy really, this guy really broke, you know, broke some rules here. But um, with Time of the Wolf, I, it, it was the, it was the sort of restraint and just the ability to sit and hold which really kind of changed my way of, of looking at things. Yeah. Well, and it primes you for dread yes. in a way that, that funny games, 
funny games does it just by the presence of the characters showing up where they shouldn't be right they just come in and never leave and yeah so the destabilizing force is right there in in time of the wolf the frame is the thing that yeah. becomes terrifying because just you know two inches out of frame is something horrible that we can't see and probably a person with a bat or a knife or something there's just yeah. this intense seething threat in that yeah. film um have you ever seen benny's video his first feature i think it was his no no it was, it was the first feature i saw but it wasn't his first i mean i am so embarrassed not only have i never seen it i don't think i've ever heard of it this is it's, a michael haneke movie benny's yeah. wow. it's fairly hard to find it was made in uh 92 i think Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to, I mean, I will search high and low. You know, I do have a friend that has sort of knows how to like get those things from anywhere. So I will ask him because I, I was about to, I did email him about time of the wolf because I'm like, I I haven't seen it in years. Um, But you know, I've been doing this all day. So I didn't, it's not like I had time to watch, but I, um, I I, would tell me about it. I mean, is it, is it, is it, it's what is, what is it? uh, I, maybe we don't have time to talk about it, but I'm so curious. Uh, it's uh, it's um how can i explain it it's uh, it's actually <laughs> it's about uh parents coping with the possibility that their son is a murderer like wow. a, a, a oh. deliberate sociopathic murderer there are some things that echo wow. uh in mass as well which was yeah. which is why i'm kind of surprised you haven't seen it there's there's a little moment where they they touch on the nature of the crimes and then the film confront the film within that film we are shown a videotape of an atrocity that their son unambiguously committed. We we wow. watch it and then we watch the effect of the on the parents. And it's sort of the the urtext for Haneke because cachet is in there and, and a few other things are all just seething inside of it. I keep saying seething a lot today. But wow. um yeah it's it's I think Kino released it a while ago. You should definitely check it. Uh, I will definitely can. search high high and low for it. But but you're I mean Look, I, it, you were you were talking about it. This, the dread, and the the amount of emotion and and information that he is able to place into a static wide shot. I mean, I remember there are these. Well, first of all, right after the the father is killed, and it, the next the very next shot or so essentially sequence is just the three of them, uh, the mother and the, her children, her two children, just sort of walking down a country road. Yeah. And, and you sort of, you just sort of have to fill in, my God, they, they didn't even get to have their car with them. They've just been sort of kicked out of their own country home. The father's been killed. Now they're just sort of walking in the middle of nowhere and, and sort of placing all that information and watching them in this sort of big, big wide sort of walking down this empty country road. And, and again, filling in that information was so powerful. I, I, I you know, I was a big growing up, like I said, I love star Wars. It, I, I always loved action movies and horror movies. I go to the video store and I'd look at the back of the boxes for like gory images. And I was into that stuff and I just wanted crazy movies and I was so, I just remember being so blown away by Time of the Wolf because I felt like I'd watched one of the most intense action-packed films. And, and yet the pacing, you know, is probably unbearable for most audiences. Yeah. I remember even the credits of Time of the Wolf, 
because I do this is I do remember looking at these while during making masks because I was so curious. You know, I was like, well, if I wanted to feel this way, I wonder what the credits were like. And they, my mask credits are sort of like that, um, it, but it's just black and just titles, mm-hmm. no sound, just silence, and you just sit there. And I think they go on for a good three minutes, and it's it's just the pacing, the sort of unapologetic slow pacing that starts to you build this kind of endurance. And you fill things in that towards the end, when you're just getting these sort of static establishing shots, they're 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 painful. You know what I mean? They, they're so loaded. They're so loaded with emotion. And um, you know, it was something I I thought a lot about with mass. I'm not saying there's there's exact moments like it, but in terms of sort of trusting that the single static frame can just do a lot on its own, you know, and you don't have to think too much if the situation and story can fill the frame with emotion on its own, you know? Yeah. Well, and also the pacing tells the audience that whatever is coming, we're going to have to suffer through it in real time. Like there won't be an easy release. There won't be a quick cut. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's, there's a moment in, well, there's a moment in mass where we finally get a piece of information that we sort of already knew well, and there'd be no point in telling people, I mean, I was, I'm trying to figure out how to bring it to 2046, because there's no way to relate that plot in a way that makes sense. I mean, it's all about feeling. It's all about. Yes. Well, you, you know, yes. And it's interesting. Well, I was just thinking still with Time of the Wolf, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I, there's not really anything to spoil in Time of the Wolf. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, because at the ending image, although I'm not sure it's the very, very end, but when the boy has gone off to the fire and has just started throwing things into the fire and he's stripped his clothes off and then this man sort of comes to him, this is my my recollection of it, to sort of comfort him by the fire. And this boy who had this sort of spirit, I remember there's a scene where he buries, there's a bird that dies and he buries it. And it's like, how we we value life when it's falling apart we will always value life there's always this sort of ceremony for life and burial of the dead and this like respect for life the preciousness of it despite the the world burning down you know all around you but then this child as he's falling into despondency and sort of this this sort of image that feels like just letting the world burn and sort of letting it fall apart and kind of that giving up that there's this older man who's saying no, like no, you know, and embracing him and saying no, we're not gonna, you know, not gonna do this. I, I forgive me if that's like totally not how it goes, <laughs> but that is sort of my memory that I was just destroyed. And then I believe it's like that passing image of moving through the fields with the train and, and just kind of this continuance, this persistence. But how could you ruin that with a trailer or even 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 a review? I mean, without like deeply diving into sort of the imagery and what you think it means. So I I, I don't know. I um I feel like you know, with 20 with 2046, and I mean time of the wolf did this too, but 2046 just made me think, wow, I love this movie so much. It felt like science fiction. It felt big. It felt like 2001 and Star Wars and these movies that I love so deeply that are sort of epic. It felt that way. But yet it was sort of this meditation on love and romance and connection or the inability, you know, the difficulty to find human connection. And it's this meandering, bizarre movie that I know it's not for everyone. And yet it's in that sense, it sort of broke the rules for me in the sense that sort of was like, you can just sort of trust your heart 
and sort of tell what you feel, you know, express yourself and put your heart on screen. And there might be value to that, that you don't necessarily have to worry about the three act structure or worry about sort of some Aristotelian sort of structure or storytelling. If it's, you know, speaking sort of from the heart, there, there, there could be something to it. There could be value to that. It gave me like great faith in being able to trust, like, no, I can just make a movie in a room. It doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter if it's 40 minutes before you even know what they're doing there. You know, I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to sort of follow my best intentions here. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was surprised watching Mass to realize it wasn't just the four leads, that, yeah, it, yeah. that there's a preamble, that there are other characters who drift in and out, which, um, which is the audience, right? Like, it's us trying to figure out how to respond to what's coming. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that is one of my favorite moments in 2046 is there's it's it's so strange it, it must last all of five minutes, this character arc, but it's Tony Lung's character sort of moved into this, this uh, Hong Kong hotel and, and he goes to these nightclubs and there's just this sort of reference. You meet her briefly. This, I think her name's Lulu and she is the, um, she's like a, a singer dancer there and they kind of have a moment together. He puts her to bed she's drunk and he puts her to bed the next day, essentially, or days later, you find out she's been stabbed to death by a jealous lover, jealous boyfriend, someone else from the club. And there's this sequence. It might last for a minute of this this the woman's face. You know, they, it's her back at the club and smoking a cigarette. And you just watch her and this music, gorgeous, gorgeous music play the score. I wish I, I should have done my homework and figured out his name, whoever did the score. Um it's it's just this kind of film cinematic portrait of this woman. It's like this musical eulogy of this character who will not be mentioned again, who sort of only got mentioned a few minutes ago, but just kind of takes full center stage and lead the, becomes the lead of this movie. And, and it's this beautiful celebration of sort of her life. And it's like terribly, terribly sad as well. Anyway, it just struck me as like, you know, man, you can sort of do anything and honoring your supporting characters or allowing a supporting character to take center stage, even for a brief moment is okay. You know? And so I, I, I love that my, the first team, 15 minutes of mass is it's just these people, you know, we have our little one act opening. Like I, I, the supporting characters sort of, they get their own kind of moment and story there, which I, I, I sort of, I sort of love about it. It's, it's also misdirection. They are also sort of us. We're supposed mm -hmm. to feel kind of ordinary people bring us into the story, people that have not experienced unimaginable tragedy, but, but I, 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 I love sort of celebrating them just for 15 minutes, you know, and giving them total ownership of the film before it's sort of, you know, taken and blindsided by the four parents, you know? Yeah. Cause we don't really leave the room for what? 80 minutes after that. Yeah, it's about, it's about 75 minutes. <laughs> um, of course you would know exactly. Yeah. It's about, and, but it is a good hour before anyone even stands up from the table. Um, you know, we thought a lot about that or I did at least, you know, we had a short rehearsal where we never really, we just were doing table work. You know, I just wanted to make sure the actors, the, the words were there, you know, it's just sort of asking them what doesn't work. Where do you feel like you're faking it? Is a beat missing? You know, they, they would, uh, 
you know, Martha would we talk about sort of the nature of forgiveness, Martha Plimpton, and sort of you know, you know, and why is it difficult? You know, find it in listening to her. I could sort of think of new language to write for her in order to carry her to these emotional places. I remember there's a, a scene where Richard and Linda and Dowd and Reed Bernie are talking about the day of their shooting from their perspective. And Jason Isaacs looked at me in the rehearsal and said, Why am I listening to this? I don't want to listen to this. And it was such an honest reaction from his character's perspective that it, we just I just wrote it in, you know, I, he and then he started to say just that. Yeah. And I, I, I needed to find ways to just keep them exactly where they thought they needed to be and kind of that emotional that that sort of emotional journey, you know, and that that uh, emotional arc. So they kind of became co-authors. Sorry, now I'm sort of getting off topic, but... No, 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 it's fine. I was actually going to come back to the idea that Mass is so dependent on dialogue, whereas neither of these films that you've chosen really mm. is. Yeah. Um, there is conversation, but it's purely, in, in, time, in time of the Wolf, it's purely functional. Yeah. Like nobody, yeah. nobody has a metaphor to, to throw around because there's none left, and 2046 is all metaphor. It's so, yeah, wow, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you a single line from... Uh, from Time of the Wolf. It's just sort of feeling and imagery uh, in, in my recollection. Granted, this is me not seeing it for a long time, but I, 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 you know, there's a plenty of sort of ideas and expressions and sort of dialogue, I guess. It's also been a while, but I, I can think of, you know, plenty of subtitles yeah. <laughs> from 2046. I, you know, that's a funny thing. I mean, look, I, emotionally masses there's a lot going on there's so many layers to the conversation i i it's dialogue heavy because i wanted to honor the conversation you know i when i came across these meetings when i read about these things happening in real life and i made the connection to the truth and reconciliation commission in south africa which is something that really was insp inspiring to me as a kid uh, i was in college when i learned about it but terrifying because i didn't think i could forgive I didn't think I was capable of it. Um, I think I wanted to be punitive. I wanted retribution. And so it's so much of mass, you know, reading about these meetings later as a parent, I thought it made me reconfront or con just confront those fears again. And so it, it's working through it's it's working through those things myself from these four perspectives. So, it, you know, it's dialogue heavy because it's a conversation in real time. But I feel like it's got the emotional layering of these films. It's just the nature of the plot or circumstances requires dialogue. I don't know. I'd like to think that. I mean, somehow, you know, again, I still I still feel like Time of the Wolf. It's it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty good emotional comp, I think. You know, I, I, I could be wrong if I go back and watch it. Maybe I'm wrong. But despite those major differences, you know, I, I feel like it evokes these feelings and these sim similar kind of feelings, you know? Yeah. Well, they're, they're mood pieces, but they're, they're very specific mood pieces, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Wong Gar Wai has basically cornered the market on longing and melancholy. And I, I don't mean that to belittle him. There's no one else I'd rather see do that Yeah, uh, because he's perfected <laughs> it, the, the texture of it. And the idea that he made, this film is sort of a partial sequel or an unfinished business aspect of In the Mood for Love, which is this yeah. perfect sealed globe of a story. Yeah, yeah. Fascinates me because it means that he was longing for those characters himself yeah. and wanted to revisit 
where they were, or what they would be doing, or at least what the impact of the first film would be. Yeah. On, on Chow. And, and it's just such a, it's such I, a beautiful dedication that he shows. I, um, I, that's so funny. You say that I it, totally, there is this, I mean, is it meta? I don't know, but there, there, that it's mirrored in that his own, in his own relationship, Wong Kar Wai's own relationship with the characters to sort of create a sequel, the need to sort of try and see them again, or was there something left unsaid in that relationship? Something that's still that, that longing. It's really, it is really kind of interesting. I have to tell you, I, this is, um, and I, I, gotta, I wish I could remember exactly how he was phrasing it. But so I met Quentin Tarantino at some like party in L.A. It was like a nightclub or something. And, um, you know, I was such a geek and fanboy of his, you know, and I, I love Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, all that. But I knew he he had been on like there was a DVD or whatever the VHS of Chungking Express. Chungking Express, yeah. He got that released in North America. Yeah, and he did like some introduction about Wong Kar Wai and blah, blah, blah. And so he got me into Wong Kar Wai and Chungking Express blew my mind. And then 2046 was then like my favorite movie. And I saw him and and went up to him to say like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you introduced me to these movies. Like 2046 is the greatest movie. And he goes, no, 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 no. No, You screwed that one up. No, that was such, no, it was such a mistake. And I'm going to, what, what is her, She was in Crouching Tiger, the younger actress who plays the sort of. His oh, Chen Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. He was like, she should never have come back. She should never, <laughs> he should have ended that movie. She should never have come back. And it was, it was, first of all, it was amazing that like, he just like leapt into a conversation with some random fan. You know what I mean? Like it like didn't matter. It was as if we'd been like old friends or whatever enemies, like he was passionately arguing this. Um, and, and I was like, no, no, like I, that's, that's, that felt like real life to me. That felt like the story, like these misconnections, like the notion of the, the, there's the Android that has the delayed reaction and he falls in love with the Android and she finally sort of responds long after he's gone. You know, this is, this is like, we are so imperfectly designed, like we desire connection, but we are imperfectly designed in such a way that it's sort of impossible for us to stay connected. And, and I felt like the, the, her kind of entering and re-entering the story to me felt like life and even relationships I can think of in my own life, you know? And so I thought, no, like I, I love the meandering kind of whimsical, redundant, even quality of the film, but he was, he was not having it. So anyway, I, 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 I love this idea that even Wong Kar Wai can't, stop bringing these characters back into his own life. You know what I mean? It's sort of, it's kind of amazing, you know, that the, the sequel is his own way of um, missing his own characters, if that's even what it was, but you could sort of, you know, happily look at it that way. I think so. I mean, certainly given the idea that, that Chow is a novelist, that he's, he's trapped with his own yes. inner life that he can't escape, that he'd be recreating these moments through his fiction, which yeah. Wong is also sort of doing in the sequel. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's poetic and beautiful, which is exactly what I would expect from, from him, Yeah, uh, from both of them at this point, the character and the director. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, those were the, I guess those were the kind of things Forgive me, 2046 was like early aughts, I want to say, maybe 2004. Yeah, I mean, Time of the Wolf and 
and 2046, I think they might have even played within six months of each other based on the release schedules. Like, oh, wow. I want to say they were in successive TIFFs like 2003 and 2004, but I could be wrong about that. One, just... was, one was can, but that doesn't mean they couldn't go both ways, Condent and then to TIFF. Yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, it's, I, let's just pretend for the sake of this conversation that I saw them in close to each other like that. But, you know, I, I, I would have graduated college. Like I would have thought of myself as being kind of, you know, a film buff or sort of knowing my stuff. But th- those those movies, they they just basically blew blew my mind in the kind of way that breaking the rules mm-hmm. or, you know, or or that you can you can make me feel, uh, you know, a 10 with this with sort of bizarre filmmaking, 2046 and sort of meandering, just kind of expressionistic filmmaking. Like I will still reach that 10 and feel like I've watched you know, Star Wars or some, you know, great, great romance um, or 2001 or something. And and then same with Time of the Wolf, you know, being this fan of sort of horror and action and feeling like I had seen something so intense, as intense as anything I'd ever watched. And the next person might call it the most boring movie they'd ever seen, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember people saying, oh, it's lesser Haneke. It's like, well... No. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I'm so glad. Yeah, because, you know, people, I don't know. I, yeah, to me, that's crazy that it's it's, it's not, it's this lesser known Haneke or just forgotten about or like, it, you know, the fact that I can't find it. I mean, I'm just like, man, this that that movie. And look, I, I don't, man, I, maybe I don't know my film that well, but um, to me, it was so groundbreaking. You know, to me, the idea that the violence is off camera, that so much of the emotion, so much of the story and the, the feeling takes place in static shots, letting you build it yourself. I mean, these, that very much was groundwork for feeling confident about building mass that the pace that I, I was trying to build it, you know, and that these were just going to, you know, my first image of the room where everything takes place in mass we just had this simple shot. We were really thinking of Yasujiro Ozu, who has these tatami shots, right? They would call them as if you're sitting on the tatami mat. So yeah. it was placed kind of down low as if you were seated and to sort of just present the space where the action will take place, you know, and sort of just a very like objective view of here's where the story is and life will take place here. But a lot of it to me was here is a space, life is going to happen in here, incredibly charged emotional things will happen in here. We are going to feel so differently about this image as time goes on. And to me, that that for some reason, that feels sort of like the spirit of Haneke and just sort of letting me, I'm just going to place the camera. And by the end of this shot, you will be in a very different emotional place from just all that you've filled into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he does something similar in the white ribbon and in, yeah. even in, even in a more really where you're in a room with people and there's nothing, nothing special about that, except that the thing that's happening in the room is the most excruciating thing you can imagine because yeah. you've spent time with those characters. And, and again, mass is that right. Like you were trapped in a space with these people who are going through some very, I was going to say it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them, but obviously that's not true, but, but it's about the processing of it. Mm, yeah yeah i yeah it's um i and and i mean now this is this has really nothing to do with i'm so used to just talking about mass it's yeah. not not about time of wolf or 2046 but the 
I wanted to sort of celebrate that, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted this simple conversation, just people sitting across from a table from each other that they're at odds with or feel blamed towards or hate for. I wanted that to be as significant and dramatic and as epic and as big as anything you could put on film. You know, I believe that this is granted. It's a movie in a room. I think of it as a very big movie because of the emotions and the work and the strength and the courage that it takes to do this. You know, I was, I was shocked to find out about these meetings and to think that this would happen and like what it would take to get in a room, but not just that, that the purpose is to heal. Like the purpose is to work through something and some kind of, you know, find some sort of forgiveness or way forward. I I can think of nothing sort of more extraordinary. So I, I, I was determined to honor that or sort of pay tribute to those ideas by keeping it simple. You know, we wanted a, when I found that church and I thought, oh my God, you know, you know, the, the, the modesty of it, the plain white walls, I thought, oh no, you shouldn't do this. And at the same time, I thought, no, this is it. This is like, this is what you're talking about. Like, this is, you have to sort of, you know, put your money where your mouth is here now. Like you, you, you wanted bare bones. You wanted the plastic table. You, you, this is it. So to embrace the discomfort of that and just put the camera in this room and let the story happen. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I'll be, if, if there's criticism that it's too, that it's not cinematic enough, but we certainly developed sort of camera work to sort of mirror or parallel the emotional state of the actors or the characters, mm-hmm. you know, so the camera sort of deteriorates over the course of the film. There's a perspective shift or lens, you know, we go from spherical to anamorphic to sort of suggest that kind of the, the, the event itself changed their perspective of the world forever the way grief does you just don't see the world the same way necessarily um so there was there was cinematic technique or style infused into it of course but at the end of the day the subject is simply that people can do this and the sort of my own admiration for that you know but um but yeah i i i there's no doubt i think i'd like to think that when you leave that room, when Martha Plimpton, you know, when, when the, well, I, again, I shouldn't spoil anything. <laughs> um, but when the door closes, you know, uh, obviously the, the conversation ends at some point. My hope is you can't look at the room the same way. And, and, you know, to me, you know, that, that feels, I I'd like to think there's some sort of Haneke in there for sure of just, yeah, I, I there's there's I do remember just the establishing shots of time and the wolf just walking through the countryside, the fog in the morning, just the stillness of this place and how you are putting the end of the world into these images. You are putting all the pain and the scraping by and what these people are enduring, despite what feels so pointless, the way that we just kind of endure and the kind of beauty of that uh, all sort of infused into these images that might otherwise be ordinary. Just uh, that, that, that was so kind of inspiring and sort of that, that I haven't, I haven't forgotten that about that movie, you know? Yeah. And then um, the obvious question is, are you in any way tempted to return for a 2046 like sequel that finds them at least (laughs) some of the characters further down the road? That is so cool. You know, that's funny. 
I'm trying to write a science fiction movie um, <laughs> that is that I I've told I would I'd send it to a friend. It's it's very rough. I've been too busy and I was doing a TV show before this and I've had no time, no time. Um, and so it's, it was very rough. But I I he he said, like, you know, this feels like a companion piece to mass. And it 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 sort of is in the sense that it's still about it's a family, um, you know, it's 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 about the you know experience of having a sort of virtual kind of AI like experience with a lost loved one, you know, and okay. it's sort of it's still about grieving, right? It's still about it's still about how we process grief and and you know sort of the nature of suffering and trauma and and healing the the sort of abstract notion of healing and 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 uh so in some ways i feel like you know what i sort of i sort of am making <laughs> sort of at least i want to i don't know maybe it'll turn out like crap and no one will want to make it but i um i i it's sort of now that you mention it there is a sort of in the mood for love to no, you know, not, not quite, but yeah, no, there's a bit, a bit of a 2046 sequel going on. Yes. Long story short. Yes. <laughs> See, this is what I do. I find the connections. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. I'm sorry. Cause I didn't make it easy on you. These are like, <laughs> no, no, that's the hopefully. fun part. Um, Finding out what people are going to pick is always the best moment. It's just like, Oh, cool. We can do that. I, uh, I know. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, so I, I had to, someone was, what it was, I think like A-Frame and there's one of these movie maker magazines where they wanted to know the references. And I, it was, it was um, time of the wolf, the emotional comp. And I, I mentioned um, uh, my dinner with Andre mm -hmm. just cause I, I had faith that we could do this. I think that movie's like six setups or something. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just, just shoot it. Um, and uh, Yasujiro Ozu, Tokyo Story, you know, he's talking about the tatami shot and just sort of the simplicity of his composition, the sort of beauty of the geometry of it. And I thought of mass as this endurance test. So let's let's start wide and simple. You know, I reserved the close up for the first time you see Martha Plimpton, the grieving mother. Um, I mentioned I, Daniel Blake approach because i just i i never i i know i there's like in my mind it's like no one directed that movie i'm just sort of walking through life with these people and it just felt like real life and i wanted mass to feel that way at least at times um but then i also we i mentioned american honey because it's both robbie ryan shot films the cinematographer robbie ryan mm -hmm. and uh my my ryan brian jackson healy my cinematographer we always talked about we're going to go from Ken Loach, Robbie Ryan, to Andrea Arnold, Robbie Ryan. So when we deteriorated to handheld, um, then there must have been, oh, scenes from marriage. Yeah, just that, especially that first episode where it's just we start in basic two shot. It's almost it's like a, it's a documentary. And then uh, how it devolves into this terribly uncomfortable, just sick, like dinner party with the, the husband and wife just kind yeah. of flipping into each other. I, I really look I actually looked at that a lot. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing in terms of a shot selection. And that was very, that was like a roadmap in many ways to say, okay, like, okay, I got, this is a shot you need in your pocket. Here's these close-ups, French overs, whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever, just sort of building a kind of arsenal. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I, 2046 had no, no business on no, nowhere, no place on that list. It's just one of my favorites. I just like to talk about it and just think about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> now it's floating around as a possibility for the next thing. I kind of love oh, that. Big time. I now that now that you mentioned it, it's so funny. I would not have thought about that, but the thing <laughs> images in my head for this thing are just 100 percent 2046. So yeah, yeah. Um yeah, go for great. it. Run with it. You know, I, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to get back to work on it. But I, I feel like I'm working on mass still. I mean, I I I I still it's still emotional talking about it. I want it to get out there. I want it to do well. I want the actors to, you know, win awards and whatever, get nominated, all that stuff. So I don't know when I will sort of get out of this relationship. You know what I mean? That's kind of how it feels. It's intense. My thanks to Fran Krenz, whose harrowing, powerful, and pretty much unforgettable first feature, Mass, is in U.S. theaters now and opening in Canada this Friday, October 15th. Thanks also to Angie Power and Laura Steen. They know what they did. You can find Fran on Twitter at Fran Kranz, all one word. And while he was right about Time of the Wolf being pretty hard to find these days, the DVDs are still kicking around out there somewhere, and while it's one of the only Haneke films not currently streaming on the Criterion channel, it's going to turn up eventually. Meanwhile, Benny's video is right there if you want to, but brace yourself. 2046 is newly available in a splendid Criterion Blu-ray release in the World of Wangar Wai box set. It's not streaming currently, which is weird, but Criterion's release also means the older Sony DVD is out there if you go looking for it. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting a bunch of podcasts these days and trying to keep up with the fall festival wave. It's not going well. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Where did you find this one? Go find more. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Watch movies, stay safe, wear a mask if you go out, and get your shot already. I'll see you next time.